Good morning. The title of this morning's message is Standing on God's Word Through COVID. <laughs> this is a testimony message, which means I will be sharing about some of the things our family and our church family experienced as we went through COVID. Now, when you talk about a worldwide pandemic, you have to begin with the origin of COVID because COVID is not from God. It is truly, I can guarantee this, from the pit of hell. <laughs> it is not a judgment from God on the entire world or on America. God's not mad. So he's not judging America for her or the world for their sins. So I can boldly declare that this is the truth because of what the Word of God tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. Beginning with verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Not everyone is in Christ. Being in Christ only happens when somebody receives by faith Jesus himself. And then Jesus himself brings all that he accomplished through his life, death, burial, and resurrection into the heart and spirit of a believer. It is only through faith that we become new creations. And as new creations, we have received a new spirit and a new nature through the Holy Spirit baptizing us into Jesus' death. Being baptized into Jesus' death is counted by God as us dying with Christ and our sins being taken into death where they belong. <laughs> and then because we have been baptized into Jesus' death, we are then also baptized into Jesus' resurrection life. His life becomes our own. Verse 18. All of this <laughs> is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation means to restore to a friendly state of being. It can also mean to make atonement for sin, thereby restoring relationship, which is, of course, what Jesus did for us. He bore our sin into death removing that barrier that sin had created. Through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, God the Father has reconciled us. He has made us, the whole world, his friend. The whole world is reconciled. The debt that man owed God is paid. God is not counting any man's sins against him. We have to understand that, especially when we're going to minister to somebody. <laughs> we don't have to get them to say a, a certain prayer or be sorry or, or anything. Jesus already did it all for you. All you got to do is say thank you. <laughs> so God is our friend. He has made himself a friend of all of mankind, and he's not counting anybody's sins against them anywhere in this world. Because of what Jesus did, man is now free to enter into eternal life if he wants to, in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 19. 
That is, in Christ, God the Father was reconciling the world to himself, not just believers. That's a message I never heard. I heard God is mad and he's going to unleash hell on you unless you repent. That's not the gospel. <laughs> the gospel is we had a debt. There was no way for us to pay. And Jesus said, it's okay. I'm going to take care of everything for you. He reconciled everybody. He's not counting anybody's trespasses against them. And he entrusted this amazing message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God the Father himself making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. God's already reconciled to you. Be reconciled to God. In other words, God the Father sent the whole world a friend request. <laughs> Come, be my friend. <laughs> he did this through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And because Jesus has already dealt with everyone's sins, there is no judgment from God for those sins. All of the judgment was on the cross. All sin has been legally transferred to Jesus. Because people are like, well, how does this work? <laughs> it's a legal procedure. God says, I'm going to take all of the legal responsibility for your sins and pay the debt. That's why we can just say, Thank you. <laughs> now, initially, this can sound like I'm saying everyone is saved. And there are those out there who preach that. But because everyone's sins have been dealt with by Jesus, doesn't mean that everybody is saved. <laughs> Reconciliation by itself is not sufficient to impart life to us. We must receive eternal life by receiving Jesus himself. Jesus is salvation. Jesus is everything that we need. And by receiving Jesus through faith, we enter in what our Father and our Jesus have already provided for us by their grace. So, if God is not counting any man's sins against them, then there cannot be any judgment from God regarding those sins. Therefore, COVID cannot be a judgment from God for any man's sin, believer or unbeliever. So, what exactly is the origin of COVID-19? <laughs> as far as the experts can tell, COVID is a man-made concoction that was accidentally leaked into our atmosphere. According to the World Health Organization, their investigation, as of October 2021, put out a report that said, there is absolutely no evidence that the COVID virus was present in any animal prior to human infection. In other words, there's no way that it started with an animal and then mutated and infected a human. This is what they say happened. Somehow, magically, <laughs> this new virus appeared out of nowhere. <laughs> Now, the report does not tell us where they actually think it came from. They do lead you to come to your own conclusions. But it is likely that the only other place it could have come from would have been a laboratory that does viral experiments. 
My goodness, there just happens to be one in the Wuhan providence of China. <laughs> but they didn't mention that. <laughs> I say this because mankind, under the power and influence of darkness, is its own worst enemy. COVID is not God's doing. It is man's doing. COVID is not God's fault. It's not God's fault so many people have died because of COVID. It's man's fault that so many people have died and continue to die from COVID. COVID really is from the pit of hell through the hands of evil men. All sickness and disease is classified in the Bible as being under the curse, all of it. <laughs> that means it originates from the power of sin and death. But Jesus has provided by his grace our deliverance from all the power of sin and death by becoming a curse for us. And of course, we can see this in Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. You notice that it says to the Gentiles. You know those people that don't know God? <laughs> the blessing of Abraham can come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. This blessing was Abraham's kind of covenant. Abraham had a grace or grant covenant. All the promises of God were to be received by faith in his covenant partner. And so it is with us. God never wants us to be sick or to have any kind of disease. He did away with that power to have authority over us. But he knows <laughs> that we will occasionally come under attack. Come under the attack of sickness and disease. It's under the curse. It doesn't belong in our life. It's not in our kingdom. It comes from the enemy's kingdom. It's him trying to overtake what belongs to God. And we should get really mad about that. <laughs> and because he knows that we will occasionally come under the attack of sickness and disease, he has provided healing in the atonement. Our salvation package includes healing. <laughs> it belongs to us. It says in the word, Jesus went around healing all, all, all. Jesus went around healing all who were oppressed by the devil, not oppressed by God, not punished by God, oppressed by the devil. <laughs> sickness is oppression. If sickness was from God, then Jesus had no business curing it. That would be dividing a kingdom. It's not from God, and God doesn't want us to have it. But the truth is, sickness will from time to time... <laughs> Show up. It will attack. Sickness is always an instrument of Satan. Always. When I was preparing this, I thought, you know, I'm going to have to get a little more vigilant <laughs> about my, what belongs to me in Jesus Christ and get a little more angry and start stomping some demon heads. <laughs> because I should, I should be angry. The kingdom of Satan is trying to overtake my kingdom, <laughs> the kingdom of Christ. And I have every right to stand and resist and make him cease and desist. But it's just so easy to say, oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Unless you get COVID, then suddenly it really matters. 
<laughs> so we have to really understand that sickness is never from God. This is really important for us to understand because no one is signing up to get COVID or diabetes or cancer. These are all attacks of Satan to try to kill, steal, and destroy God's beloved humans. Now, I understand that we, as God's beloved humans, don't always take good care of ourselves. <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> that puts us in a position where we can become sick more easily. But if there was no curse, there would be no sickness, regardless of how well or not well we took care of ourselves. The problem is not really us. <laughs> the problem is the curse. I say this because I want you to know that there is no shame in getting sick. Remember how I told you about the young believers in Corinth who had speaking in tongues and they're like, this is my badge. <laughs> this proves I'm really spiritual. I speak in tongues. Well, we would do this exact opposite with sickness. Believers say, well, if I'm sick, I must be weak spiritually. Oh, there must be something wrong with my faith. Oh, there's something wrong with my walk. Otherwise, why did I get sick? It's an attack of the enemy. <laughs> and that's how we need to perceive it. It is an attack of the enemy. The thief is trying to steal your health. So getting sick is not an indication of spiritual weakness. Andrew Womack had cancer. Kenneth Copeland has a pacemaker. These men are truly giants in walking out their faith but they still both came under attack. I would never call Andrew Womack weak in faith. The man broke his leg, hopped up on it, and ran home. It's pretty good, pretty good use of faith. <laughs> Kenneth Copeland is probably the largest ministry in the entire world, and the man needed a pacemaker. But often Christians want to condemn themselves, all the work of the enemy. I, there must be something wrong with me that I got sick. And it's a lie. Sickness and even physical weakness is not an indication of spiritual strength or the lack thereof. It is an indication that Satan hates you. <laughs> and he wants to stop you from being a light in this world. Because it doesn't matter how much you preach or don't preach. Jesus sees you. The world sees Jesus in you. We went to my son's house for Thanksgiving. My son used to be a pastor. He has converted his outward presentation <laughs> since back in the day. Back in the day, he was clean cut. He's adorable. <laughs> Today, he might scare you. <laughs> he has, you know, the mohawk and the beard down to the middle of his chest and everything's pierced and tattooed. And, and he was saying, you know, he was at the flea market. He says, this happens all the time. People come up to him and ask him questions. People he doesn't even know. <laughs> and I said, that's because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. You're called to be an evangelist, sweetie. Too bad for you. <laughs> the gifts and callings are without repentance. Your Jesus shows even if you don't know that he does. Now, remember when the disciples asked Jesus about who sinned in the case of the man born blind? And Jesus said that it was neither him nor his parents that were responsible for that condition. 
That's my point. <laughs> it wasn't anybody's fault. But Jesus simply saw it as an opportunity to display God's true heart and God's will regarding every man in that situation. So Jesus healed him. Healing and restoration is always God's heart and God's will. Always. So there is no need for us to condemn ourselves for becoming sick. But Satan loves to beat us up emotionally and mentally as well as physically. <laughs> yes, he likes to kick you when you're down. <laughs> so when we do get sick, he will try to tell us what a pathetic excuse for a Christian we are. He will blame us for getting sick when he's the one that brought the sickness. And his accusations will only produce self-condemnation, which is only able to produce unbelief. So he gets you to work against your own faith. He's not stupid, <clears throat> short-sighted, but not stupid. <laughs> and it's all part of his plan to try to get us to stop resisting sickness, disease, and death, and to accept the sickness as being either just a natural part of life or as our due punishment for sins or the appropriate consequences for bad choices. But the truth is, the blood of Jesus has redeemed us from all of the curse. Legally, it doesn't belong to us, ever. <laughs> Under the curse is the sickness and disease and even death. Yes, we can decide when we want to pass away. <laughs> we do get to decide. God said, I will satisfy you with long life. If you're satisfied and you want to go home, you can. <laughs> but death doesn't need to come and take you prior to your desire to leave this earth. We can resist death because Jesus has already conquered it for us. Now, one of the resources I've recently found regarding helpful information regarding COVID-19 is from a doctor and researcher from England. His name is Dr. John Campbell. And he has his own YouTube channel where he presents videos that are informative and scientifically based. He also presents studies and reports from various medical and scientific resources. In other words, he has a lot of stuff that I don't have access to because I'm not a doctor. <laughs> and he's a scientist. He's a research scientist. And I bring him up because one of his latest videos, he presented a report from John Hopkins University regarding the approval of ivermectin, by the government of Japan to be prescribed without restriction beginning in the middle of August 2021. In August of 2021, Japan, like America, had this huge spike in COVID deaths. And the government of Japan said, this isn't good. What we're doing obviously isn't working. Let's throw some ivermectin at it. <laughs> that was in this past August. This was a desperate measure by the government because the government still has not approved ivermectin for COVID cases. They just let the doctors prescribe it freely as they saw fit. And it was all in response to this big spike. Within two weeks of allowing ivermectin, the death rate from COVID-19 began to drop. And within the last three months, it has plummeted to almost zero as of November 20th, 2021. All because the government said, okay, we're not going to look at this. <laughs> it's not technically approved, but just try that. <laughs> so it basically in three months time, because the government said, you just go ahead and do what you can. <laughs> Almost zero in three months. 
So is the problem we have really COVID or is it government? I bring this up because part of my struggle with COVID-19 was that the hospital that Mark was at refused to allow ivermectin as an intervention. So not only was I trying to resist COVID in my body, I was trying to get Mark transferred to another hospital where he could receive a potentially life-saving medication that he was being denied. And I very quickly found out that hospitals do not play fair. You can't get out of a hospital any easier than you can get out of prison. <laughs> Somebody has to let you out. <laughs> they shut me down as fast as they could. So basically the only way he could leave the hospital would be if he checked out against medical advice and without oxygen. They said, you want to leave? Fine. You're not taking any oxygen with you. This is a medical facility where you're supposed to be helping people? <laughs> of course, leaving without oxygen at that point was not an option. He needed the oxygen. So we had to trust God. We had to trust that God was bigger than remdesivir, which is the only medication that hospital would offer him, which is also known to cause liver and kidney damage. Here, take this or die. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> so it was either you take our medicine or you don't get any. Now, throughout our time dealing with COVID and the hospitals and the rules and the fear and the doubt, we never walked alone. We were never abandoned. We were never forsaken. Our Father and our Jesus and our Holy Spirit continued to minister to us through his word and through our family and friends. And they continued to stand with us in faith and prayer and intercession. And to the glory of God, not the hospital, Mark came home on day 10 without oxygen. Now, we can see these same kinds of truths are also found in the first chapter of Joshua. In the first chapter of Joshua, God commissions Joshua to replace Moses as Israel's leader and encourages him to know and believe that Israel will take possession of her promised land and that nothing will be able to stop them. I will begin reading with verse 1 and read through most of the chapter. Beginning with verse 1, and it is in the King James. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, it means assistant, <laughs> saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. And every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that I have given unto you, as I said unto Moses. God had already <laughs> told them that this land was already theirs, but they needed to take possession of what was already theirs. So God reminds Joshua, I have already given this to you through promise. And now I'm presently giving or enabling you to take possession of what is already yours. Sound familiar? <laughs> this is exactly what we as New Covenant believers do. We have been given everything we need for life and godliness through the great and precious promises of our Father. It's all promised. It's all guaranteed. He says it's yours. And as we believe in what we spiritually already have in our inheritance, the promises come to pass through faith. 
And then in verse 4, God tells them just how extensive their inheritance is. Big, it's huge. (laughs) From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even into the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites. Hmm, somebody's in their land. It's occupied by an enemy. And unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. Did he say, everything I promised you before, it is yours. Verse 5. There shall not any man be able to stand against or before thee all the days of thy life. And as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. I really prefer the way the Young's literal translation translates this verse, because it keeps the original present tense. Hebrew people didn't actually speak in future tense. It was always present or past. And so the King James translators, in order to help us understand, translate it with a future tense instead of the present. But this is how the Young's literal says it. No man doth station himself before thee all the days of thy life. Which really means nobody's going to stop you. Doesn't matter who gets in your way. Nobody is going to stop you all the days of your life. As I have been with Moses, I am with thee. I do not fail nor forsake thee. Our brain doesn't like future tense. So when we hear God says, I will do something, there's no faith in I will. When will you? Will says somewhere down there. (laughs) No, I don't need you down there right now. I need you here right now. (laughs) And that's why it's so important that we understand that God said to them, I am with you. I do not fail. Whatever I say comes to pass period, and I will never forsake you. So he's saying that this present reality for Joshua is, I am, the great I am, is with you. The same way I was with Moses. (laughs) And he does not fail to perform his word. And he does not forsake you, no matter what. Which means he won't quit on us, ever. Now we can give up. (laughs) But he never does. And because all of this is true, Joshua can do the next verse, which says, Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. For years, when I read this verse, it sounded as if I was supposed to come up with. (laughs) Come on, muster up some strength, muster up some courage, come on. God expects this of you. That wasn't the point at all. (laughs) You go back to verse 5. I am is with you. The great I am is with you. What does that do for you? It makes you strong. It makes you courageous. (laughs) Because if you know in whom you believe and all that he has already done and that he never lies, he never exaggerates, whatever he says will come to pass will come to pass. That's why he could say, in light of who I am, (laughs) be strong and of good courage. For unto this people thou, you are going to do this, Joshua, (laughs) shall divide the inheritance of the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Verse 7, only be thou strong, which means to be strengthened by God himself, and be very courageous, which interestingly enough, the root word of courageous is alert, watchful. And it's like, how does that equal courage? (laughs) But it can also be translated steadfastly minded. The Webster's 1828 
says courage can be translated as bravery, intrepidity, which is a fancy way of saying being fearless. <laughs> but it also says this, courage is that quality of mind which enables men to encounter danger and difficulties with firmness or without fear or depression of spirits. So it is because of what God said to Joshua that Joshua could be strengthened in his faith. God's word to him specifically gave him confidence that God was not going to fail to take Israel into her inheritance. Yes, he would have to be on guard, be alert against the voices that would tell him anything that was contrary to what God had already said to him. So that's where they get, <laughs> it's a state of mind. Courage is actually a state of mind. And when you have our mind stayed on the Lord, we will be courageous. So he's basically telling Joshua, you need to have your mind steadfastly fixed on God's word to you. The rest of verse 7, continuing, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee, Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper, whithersoever thou goest. We, of course, are not under the old covenant law. We don't need to memorize it <laughs> and then try to accomplish it. That was them. It's not us. We would better understand this as a principle and thinking of it in terms of knowing and understanding the written word of God. Not so that we can do certain things to please God, but so that we know the truth and we believe the truth about who God is and who we are in him. Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Again, the principle can be applied to us. We don't need to know all of the Old Covenant rules and regulations. We just don't. But we do need to continue to seek to know the living word, our Lord Jesus Christ, through the written word. Verse 9. Have I not commanded thee, be strong, or strengthened, and of a good courage? In other words, keep your mind on what God has said to you. Because if you do that, you won't be afraid. <laughs> Neither will you be dismayed, which means discouraged. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. We are never alone, even if we feel like we are. And Satan will be happy to tell you that you are. <laughs> but it's not true. We never walk alone. Verse 10. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals, which is food, for within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan, to go in to possess the land, which the Lord your God giveth, have already given, <laughs> for you to possess. And to the Reubenites, and to the Gadites, and to half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spake, saying, Remember the word which Moses the servant of the Lord commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. The Reubenites, Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh had already taken possession of their inheritance. They were already living in their land that was allotted to them. So he says to these people, 
your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But ye shall pass before your brethren armed, all the mighty men of valor, and help them to take possession of their inheritance. This is what we do in prayer and declaration. Those of us who are not in the battle ourselves <laughs> take up the call to help our brothers and sisters in Christ to take possession of what our Father has already given and provided. Verse 15. Until the Lord hath given you your brethren rest as he hath given you, they shall also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then ye shall return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this side of Jordan towards the sun rising. I really like this verse because we can see that those who had already received their inheritance were not allowed to stop fighting until their fellow believers also had taken possession of their inheritance. This reminds me of praying through every occasion. Back in the day, people said, if you pray more than once, you don't have faith. <laughs> Says who? <laughs> no, the, the point isn't we're not begging God to do something. We are standing on the truth of what God has already done through Jesus Christ, and we continue to stand. We stand on behalf of ourselves, but also on behalf of others. Verse 16, And they answered Joshua, saying, all that thou commandest us to do, and whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so we will hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee, as he was with Moses. This is interesting. <laughs> These people would not have heard the beginning of chapter 1. It was a private conversation between God and Joshua. Right? So one of the things God does is he confirms his word. Even back then, <laughs> Joshua said, okay, this is what we're doing. I'll let them all know how we're doing this. <laughs> and they repeat back to him the exact same thing God had said to him, confirming that it was indeed the Lord. Verse 18, whosoever be he that doth rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken unto thy words and all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Thank you, God, that's not our covenant. <laughs> Only be strong. Only be strong and of good courage. Where did we hear this before? <laughs> oh yeah, out of the mouth of God. <laughs> and he puts his word in somebody else's mouth so that you know you've heard God. And you go, thank you, Jesus, <laughs> that you delight to confirm your word. So he's telling them, be strengthened by the word of the Lord and have a steadfast mind. A mind that is fixed on the word of the Lord. And again, God empowered them to repeat back to Joshua what God had already said to him. And this is very often how he will confirm his word to us. Because the scripture says, let every matter be established out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. Now, having a steadfast mind when you have COVID can be very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> it was for me. <laughs> My brain was sort of foggy and gooey, and it wasn't functioning well at all. <laughs> when I was arguing 
and trying to get Mark released from the hospital, I was talking to a patient advocate, and I'm demanding them to transfer him, and I am demanding that they do what I want. I'm demanding, I'm threatening, I will get a lawyer. I'm thinking I have no idea how I'll pay for it, but I will if I need to. <laughs> and while I'm trying to explain all of the science to this patient advocate, I'm trying to say words like ivermectin, eudesonide, and remdesivir. Unfortunately, none of them came out correctly. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, <laughs> I can't even talk. <laughs> I need help, Jesus. <laughs> I felt like a blithering idiot. <laughs> Fortunately, my daughter came to my rescue and started talking to the nurses and the patient advocate in my stead. She even threatened them for me, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thankfully, my daughter sought the Lord for a word regarding Mark having to receive remdesivir. Because when they first offered it to him, he refused it. We know the science behind it. America has sold billions of dollars of remdesivir to third world countries. The day after that contract was signed, the scientific report came out proving how lousy it works. I do not credit my husband's life to remdesivir. It is the Lord Jesus Christ that raised him from his sickbed. But because I had COVID brain, <laughs> I really struggled. I knew I would be just fine. I wasn't interceding for me. I would lay in my bed in a ball, not hardly even being able to talk and say, I am healed, Jesus. I am. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to sound like you're victorious <laughs> because you already are. <laughs> so she texted me a scripture that she went to the Lord and you can do this on purpose. Go to the Lord and say, where do I read? What book do you want me to find you in? He will tell you. You can even just open it up, stick your finger in there, and he will talk to you because he knows his word is life to us, literally. So she went to the Lord, and he gave her this out of an NIV Bible, which is interesting because I don't read NIV. See, doesn't matter. God has a way. <laughs> this is what she sent. Ecclesiastes 8, verses 4 through 6. Since a king's word is supreme, which is God, who can say to him, what are you doing? Because <laughs> I was saying about that. What's going on here, Jesus? <laughs> Whoever obeys his command will come to no harm. And the wise heart will know the proper time and procedure. For there is a proper time and procedure for every matter, though a person may be weighed down with misery. What my daughter saw was there is a correct time for remdesivir, and the time is now. It's not a procedure we would have chosen. It was the only one he had. He wasn't offered anything else. <laughs> okay, Lord, you're in this. And that's what my heart needed to know. This isn't just us having to surrender to a medical facility. This is Jesus Christ being in charge of our lives. Even though Mark had already decided to receive the remdesivir by faith, in other words, by trusting that God would protect him from the harmful effects, my heart needed to be assured that this was the correct thing to do and that God was in it. And this scripture did that for me. I was not hearing well. I was hearing, but I couldn't figure out, God, is this you or is this me? 
my COVID brain was just not being cooperative. <laughs> then, on top of that, Judy texted me Mark chapter 16, verse 18, in regards to remdesivir. They will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. I really struggled throughout Mark's hospitalization. Normally, I don't struggle when things come along. When my daughter Sarah said, I have cancer, I said, no big deal. You've got Jesus. He is with you, and he is in you, and he will not forsake you, and he will never quit on you. This is no big deal. But when Mark was in the hospital, I was like, it's kind of a big deal, Jesus. (laughs) I knew I would get through, but I wasn't sure Mark was. It was all of that, God, did I miss you? Did I not hear you? Did I not prepare? Am I a bad Christian? Have I failed (laughs) in my responsibilities? All of the stuff Satan wants us to think. I had to fight the fear and the doubt with the words of God. Words God had spoken to my heart previously and words that came at just the right time. Like Sarah's word regarding the right time and the right procedure. In listening for the Lord, the Holy Spirit reminded me of even my last message. We talked about how Abraham brought his son for a sacrifice and God said, we're doing something else. (laughs) That's not who I am. I'm not a God who takes life. I am the God who gives it. When you have COVID brain, (laughs) your brain doesn't do what it normally does. (laughs) Still today, a little bit. (laughs) All the old programming and wrong teaching and wrong habits begin to show up. All the stuff in my flesh head. And I started to beg God to heal Mark. Please, God. He interrupted me. (laughs) And he said, you know that's not what we're doing. <laughs> he's already healed, and he's resisting the sickness. God has already said yes and amen to Mark's full recovery. Stand and declare what is already true. The battle in my mind was to have a steadfast mind on the truth of God's word to me. Not just God's word, but God's word to me. Another thing the Holy Spirit brought to my mind was a word that God gave me years ago. He said that my entire family, who are all believers, were truly blessed. We were blessed by the power of God to always come home. As long as I have known the Lord, everyone in my family has always come home. Every soldier who went to war came home all in one piece. Every person who went into a hospital for a procedure always came home and recovered fully. The only exception was my mom. Last year, she went home to be with Jesus, but that's because that's what she really wanted. We brought her to my house to take care of her while my dad was in the hospital. And as soon as we pulled up in my driveway, she said, I want to go home. (laughs) And the next day she did. In my quiet time one day, the Lord spoke to me through Luke chapter 18, verses 1, 7, and 8 in the Passion Translation, which says this. One day, Jesus taught the apostles to keep praying and to never stop or lose hope. Why can we do that? Because God never quits. He never fails. Verse 7. Don't you know that God is the true judge who will grant justice to all his chosen ones who cry out to him night and day? He will pour out his spirit upon them. He will not delay to answer you and to give you what you ask for. 
God will give swift justice to those who do not give up. So be ever praying, ever expecting, just like the widow with the judge. And then another day, the Lord gave me a scripture to pray over Jean. 1 Peter 5, 10-11. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory, and he's not talking about heaven, <laughs> perpetual manifestation. The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory, perpetual manifestation in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. The word restore in this contains the idea of repairing and mending, making whole what had become not whole. The word translated strong is only used this one time right here, and it carries the idea of being empowered to resist and attack. So the Lord had me to declare that God, by his grace, would manifest the presence of Jesus and would repair and mend her and empower her to resist this COVID attack. Another day I asked the Lord how best to pray for Jean. And what came to mind was to pray that our Father would send his angels to minister to her, the same way angels ministered to Jesus in the garden the night before his crucifixion. Because of the contagiousness of COVID, she was in an isolated room just like Mark. That's really, I know it's necessary, but they put prisoners in isolation to punish them because it's very hard emotionally and mentally. This is really horrible to do to COVID patients. <laughs> I know it's necessary, but you, it makes COVID even harder. Jean was in an isolated room, and no one could come to see her, to minister to her. And since we could not go lay hands on her, I asked the Lord to send his angels to do just that. Then, while we were visiting with Jean on the phone one day, she was still in the hospital at that time, she shared with us how her family had been interceding for her and how a friend of her daughter sent her this message. Good morning. I want to share with you what I saw this morning while praying for your mom. I saw her in her hospital room in bed, and all around her were angels. Lots of angels. <laughs> they were very busy ministering to her. There was excitement and joy in the room as they went about their work. It was pretty cool. I'm hoping for great news today. This just tickled me pink. I know the word of God says when we ask him to do something, he'll do it. <laughs> but it's so fun to see how he does it. <laughs> how he answers our prayer. <laughs> Jean, of course, is home now after 16 days in the hospital. She still needs some oxygen, but she is continuing to make progress. And she even got to be home for Thanksgiving. This message contains really only bits and pieces of all the wonderful things our Father, our Jesus, and our Holy Spirit have ministered to me and to Mark through this COVID attack. But I want to thank all of you who prayed for us and believed with us. I'm very aware we did not come through this attack in our own strength. It was the prayers of our brothers and sisters in Christ who came along next to us, fully armed, in and with the Lord Jesus Christ that helped us to take possession of our healing inheritance. I want to close with, again, verse 5 of Joshua chapter 1. No man doth station himself before thee all the days of your life. No one can stop the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has for us. As I have been with Moses, I am with thee. I do not fail nor forsake thee. 
No one can stop us. Satan can't stop us from receiving our healing inheritance because the great I am is in us and with us. The great I am does not fail. The great I am never forsakes or quits on us. He is faithful to give us his word, a specific word for us in our time of need, a word he knows will encourage us and strengthen us and enable us to continue to apprehend all that is in our inheritance. He is faithful to confirm his word, and he is faithful to perform his word. And it is only his word that can strengthen us and give us a mind that is steadfastly fixed on him. Amen. Father God, I thank you that you are an up-close and personal God. You weren't even satisfied with being just with us. You wanted to be one with us. You wanted your life to become our life so that we could continuously walk on top of death, sickness, and disease as conquerors. You have conquered all sickness, disease, and death. And because of that, you take that victory and you say, you can walk this out. You can have this right now. It's yours. We thank you, Father God, for the truth. We thank you, Father God, that in our weakness, there is no condemnation. It doesn't matter if my brain works properly or not. <laughs> you're still God, and you're still true, and you still do what you say you'll do. Father, I thank you for taking care of our church family, for intervening in everybody's life, and bringing forth your life in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen.